Hello, SRU. How's it going, people? My name is Jeremy Lynch, and I am host of Hello, SRU, where we get to share stories about our rock students, faculty, staff, and alumni. I am joined, as always, by Dr. Nick Artman from the Department of Strategic Communications and Media and Justin Zackel from SRU's Office of Communication and Public Affairs. For the record, I got both of those offices correct this time. Gentlemen, how's it going? I watched you were reading from a script. I saw it. I could see your eyes. We're on Zoom still. I could see you're reading. You wrote that down before you said it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just go off the cuff. I'm going to say ding, 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 ding. It took us uh, over a year now, and now we finally got it right. <laughs> Slow and steady. You know what the sad part is, though? I always write it down, and I still mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a little a little peek behind the curtain, so that makes, uh, you know, hey, you, you threw yourself under the bus there, not me. Yeah, no doubt. It's okay. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> well, hey, today we are joined by Dr. Mark O'Connor. Dr. O'Connor is an assistant professor of creative writing at SRU and the faculty advisor for Slab, which is SRU's literary magazine for poetry, fiction, creative nonfiction, and text-based graphic art. Dr. O'Connor earned his bachelor's in English from Georgetown University and his master's and PhD in creative writing from the University of Houston. Today, he joins the podcast to talk about his recent Butler Succeed Fellowship and how he is connecting his students in his Writing Community Stories course to the Butler County Drug and Alcohol Program. Everyone likes a feel-good story around the holidays, and Dr. Connor is definitely here to share one today. And with that, we bring you Dr. Connor. Mark, how's it going? Good. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Oh, no. Thank you. Appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about this course, right? So I gave the 10-second the rundown, but what is Writing Community Stories in, as the course? So this is a brand new course that my colleague, John Silvestro, developed, and we're trading out teaching it. Both of us teach in the writing track. Uh, Professor Phil Silvestro's professional writing on creative writing. And basically, it's um, a course that talks about gathering stories outside the classroom. So the way that I was put in touch with the Butler Succeed Project is through a colleague in my building in SPOTS, Professor Alice Del Vecchio, who runs the Institute for Nonprofit Leadership. And I don't know if you all have talked to her or met her, but she's an incredible powerhouse, and she seems to be connected to every single human in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, I also run something called Writers in the Schools, where we send students out into um, public schools and different kinds of community service organizations to do creative writing. So it was a really good dovetail with Butler Succeed with the WITS program that already existed. Yeah. So can you, you've mentioned it a few times now. What is Butler Succeed? So Butler Succeed is literally a storefront that Slippery Rock runs on Main Street. It's on 150 Main Street in Butler, downtown Butler. It's across from this beautiful old Penn Theater and it's a community space. And we're one of the first um, sort of Slippery Rock events that's been taking place there. And it's a place for people that are in recovery, that are dealing with um, addiction and recovery and other kinds of community oriented um, attempts to sort of help revitalize that city and to help out particular groups of people. So there, I know there are going to be initiatives in the future about art and music and, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of bringing Slippery Rock to downtown Butler. Nice. And we were the first organization partly because this course is new this semester. Professor Delvecchio knew about my work with writers in the school. So it was a really easy match 
with us and what they were trying to do over there. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Like you imagine writing in the schools, how did it get connected to the drug and alcohol? Pro- like where was that? Like who made that? Was Alice the person that connected those pieces together or what generated that idea? So Alice knew about WITS. We've been running WITS out of English for, for about three or four years. I did writers in the schools at the University of Houston. And there's about 80 different residencies across the country. It's called the WITS Alliance of different organizations that do community-based writing. But it's almost always grad students. And when I was at the University sure. of Houston getting my doctorate, I did it as a grad student. I'd go into Latino elementary schools. I went to work in a cancer hospital. But since moving to Slippery Rock and teaching here, I thought it'd be amazing if we could have the undergraduates work as WITS writers. So we've had residencies at um, Slippery Rock High School across the street from us, New Wilmington High School. So we've been running them for a couple of years. And then Alice, who seems to know all that happens at Slippery Rock, <laughs> knew about the course. So she just met with me this summer and said, hey, this would be a perfect integration with that new course that you're teaching. Let's get together and talk. And it just dovetailed really, really easily with what we're doing. Nice. So what are you doing? Like walk us through. So when a student signs up for this course, did they sign up knowing what was going to happen or are they just signing up for community writing? They're signing up, I think, because it's a new course. You know, I just sent you a a couple of testimonials, I guess for lack of a better term, from students around the class now. They know that it's a requirement. So if you're a professional writer or in the creative writing track, you have to take writing community stories. And it's replacing an older course called Advanced Professional Writing, which is very class-oriented. This is outside the classroom-oriented. So the math worked out really well. I have 15 students in this class, and I arranged to go five Wednesday nights with five of my students to the Butler Succeed House, where we met these folks and offered creative writing lessons and oral history interviews about their own life and their work in recovery. So it's been amazingly fun. It's been a little tough at the same time. And then the other students are broken into two groups who didn't come with us to Butler succeed. Five of them are interviewing family members of folks who have either dealt with folks in recovery or lost folks to addiction. And the other five are dealing with folks who are in the business of recovery. So Hmm. uh, law enforcement officers, people that run recovery houses. So we're trying to get a full 360 spectrum on what this problem in Western Pennsylvania and Butler encompasses. And that's awesome. So you have, you've done this now and you have some feedback and you sent us some of the the student reflections. So the group that goes to Butler succeed, I mean, that's a, that's a significant thing for these young adults to experience. Well, it's literally a commitment of time outside the classroom, right? Wednesday nights are a funny time, but we also had a really wonderful person that we worked with named Donna Janareski who works for Butler alcohol and rehab and she's, or Butler alcohol and drug counseling. And she got us all the folks that have come to the Succeed House. She's gotten us all the contacts of the people we've been interviewing on Zoom, like the law enforcement officers and the folks who've lost folks to addiction. And Donna's been amazing. But the students who go with me every Wednesday night or went with me every Wednesday night, you know, it's literally leaving campus and going off campus to experience, as you can see from the reflection, stuff they've never known about. You know, very few students have dealt with this on a personal level. And... uh, the stories that we hear are extraordinarily moving and generous in terms of the granting us of their time and their experiences. My joke after the second day was this feels like a week 12 class. Mm. And I think most teachers experience this, you know, the first couple of weeks, particularly if they're first year students, they don't know what they're doing yet. They've been in high school. They may have learned terrible, 
you know, techniques in high school, but by about week 12, they know what they're doing and it's kind of enjoyable. These folks, maybe because they're used to sharing at meetings like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, they were reading their stuff aloud the first day. They're writing great the first day. They're detailed and doing amazing work very, very quickly. So the students got to see that, right? Some of them are creative writers, some are professional writers, but they all know good writing when they hear it. And these folks are willing to take risks. I mean, it was kind of extraordinary. Sure. Very. No, I love so this. Are the students, oh, sorry, are the students sorry, teaching? Are, are they teaching them how to write? Uh, what are what what are the, uh, the the transaction that takes place between the students and the and the and the, uh, the participants in the program? So the students helped me with the creative writing lessons. Um, we had five folks that were an established cohort that came every Wednesday night, and the setup was kind of like a creative writing workshop that I would do during campus. We'd have a warm-up exercise like calisthenics, about 10 minutes. I'll give you the one we used the first day. Tell us the story of your life and three incidents involving hair. And that's sort of a silly exercise, but it gives everybody a chance to talk about their terrible kid haircuts and their mohawks that they were guys in high school when they were trying to impress, you know. So that's a really easy entry. Then we move into a longer exercise. But because there were five of my students with me, we always peeled off one person at least per class to be interviewed in the back. And we taped and transcribed their interviews. And we asked them a lot of questions about recovery and how they, you know, move from the person that they were to the place they are now. So there was always several things going on and the students were always assisting me and they were directly doing the interviews without my, you know, help. We all developed the questions together as a class to ask the folks that are being interviewed, but the students did a fair amount of the work and you know they got to know these people really well as they said in some of the reflections they were really moved by how personal the stories were that were shared well and that's what i love about it you know i got to go through you, you'd sent that to us and i'm going through some of those reflections and that's the stuff that sticks out to me you know when i think about education and i think about teaching in in universities and and what we offer students you know something like this is is the stuff i love to hear about, right? That experiential classroom, that transformative learning stuff that, you know, Mark, when, whenever they graduate and they reflect back on their 5, 10, 15th, 25th, 50th anniversary, they're never going to forget these experiences. I mean, I'm going through this one here and it's gut wrenching and this, those are her words, you know, talks about they've been it's, it's been enlightening and gut wrenching moments interviewed people affected by addiction, whether it's drug or alcohol, but they never saw the effects personally. But then they go on to say, you know, interviewing these people and hearing their stories. Uh, she says the amount of strength I saw from those individuals made me appreciate the resilience of the human spirit and the love of a mother for her children. That's stuff you can't teach that in a classroom. You know, you can show the statistics. You can talk about the statistics. And she even says I was allowed to see these individuals as a dynamic as dynamic people and not as one interviewee put it a statistic. You know, you're taking those numbers and turning them into people, which is it's what it's about. You know, these are these are this is the stuff that I that I love to hear about when I'm talking to my students. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't have a good transition out of that, but I just think it's awesome. Mark. It felt serendipitous. It felt lucky. You know, that it just, it worked out really. We had the structure in place, but I have great students. And these people were so, so generous with sharing their stories with us. Um, we interviewed a couple in their home, and they invited me and two students into their home to talk to them about their two children who are suffering through alcohol addiction. 
And these folks had an extremely beautiful home and it was lovely. And, you know, I sort of debriefed with my students after the interview and these folks were very kind to discuss the grief that they're going through and still go through. I mean, the, sure. the husband of the husband-wife team described it as sort of like being at war. You don't know. It's this constant battle what the next day is going to bring. And you also don't know what people's lives are like. Driving by this house that they invited us into, incredible house, probably very expensive. These people are as lovely. And if you saw them in a story about, oh, what a nice couple. And yet the stuff that's going on is so hard that I think it'd be difficult for anybody to deal with. And these folks are dealing with that every day. And my students saw that. Right, and they experience these people's generosity, but also their their strength and their trauma. So you're right. I think it's taking them outside the classroom in an extraordinary way that, I mean, I know now if I teach this course again in a year and a half, John, Sylvester and I switch out what to expect in a way, but I was always appreciative of people sharing their stories and always moved. I mean, amazing. Yeah. So what do your students say? I mean, yeah, you've shared some reflections with us. Um, but like in, in general, what is that conversation like on the way where when you get back in the classroom? There's a lot of silence at first. I think they're processing because I still forget sometimes that they're like 19 years old and maybe a right. little bit older. And if they've been raised now, there's a couple of students in the class, one of the students who actually lost a family member to addiction. So this class is tough for that student. Right. Um, but if they haven't had much experience with that, it's super eye-opening for them. And, you know, in a way, we, we almost wanted to this, or maybe I wanted to this with a kind of agenda. The reason that we're having all these different kinds of folks speak about this is to at least counter the narrative that people in addiction are just scum of the earth, or they right. need to be written off or it's entirely their fault. We're trying to get a fuller voice around this issue. And I think the students understand that and appreciate that. As one of them put in their reflection, they see the humanity of these folks. And maybe in a way, not that they necessarily thought they weren't fully human, but they just didn't think about that because culture, I think it's super easy to dismiss people with addiction. Yeah. And then from the individuals in recovery standpoint, I mean, the ability to tell your story is one of the greatest tools that they have in terms of their recovery. So one of the things that happened at our culminating event, um, and this is true with even the writers in the school's classes, we always have a reading at the end to celebrate the writers. And we had a handmade um, anthology of all the writings, the interviews, as well as the creative writing lessons. And actually we had a beautiful artist come in from Pittsburgh, Maggie Negrete, who did art with our five people at, at the Succeed House. So everyone got a copy of the anthology, which my students sewed. It was a hand-sewn Japanese-bound artist book. And they got a box with um, a gift certificate to the bookstore across the street in Butler called The Book Nook. Um, and a few other things, including a writing journal. So we wanted to celebrate their writing as well as give them the idea that, that now they're at this place that's established, right? They're not going to go back. They're writers now, and it counts, and their story counts. And the artist book that we spent a fair amount of time printing and hand sewing is a demonstration of our respect for what they told us and were able to write down. So we're welcoming them into the community of writers like my students are in the community of writers and that their story absolutely matters and is interesting and counts. That's awesome. Mark, if you can uh, describe 
what is it about writing that is so therapeutic? I mean, there's other ways that people who are uh, in recovery and, uh, and, and affected by addiction, um, they can do uh, woodworking or, the, I mean, here on campus, we have uh, uh, equine therapy at the Storm Harbor Equestrian Center working with horses. What, what, what is it about the process of writing that is so therapeutic? I think it's next to storytelling, one of our oldest and most vital fundamental art forms. You know, and it's the writing down of something is different than speaking something, right? When you write it down, you get a chance to revise and you're taking a little bit more time. I write far, far better than I speak. Even though I have a PhD, I um and I on. I think if my (laughs) words were transcribed, I'd be horrified. I never want to see myself (laughs) transcribed. But my writing is pretty tight, especially if I have a chance to go over it and revise it, which we offer to all of our writers at the Succeed House. So there's something, you know, Ten Commandments on a Stone Tablet's way of codifying it, writing it down, even if it's on a computer or paper. There's something fundamental about just putting those thoughts down on paper that suggests a kind of um, permanence to it. I think different than just speaking it. There's something about the act of writing which is so old and it communicates, right? Those books are physically beautiful that we made for them, uh, but they're transferable. Check this thing out that I made and they can hand them off to people. You know, and that binding that we use, the hand-sewn Japanese binding, um, I saw some Japanese books bound in the same way at the New York Public Library's Rare Book Room. They were a thousand years old, like Mm. that last. So that's one of the reasons why we did that as well, is we're suggesting that these stories count enough to last. So whatever their trials are, whatever their struggles are, we're suggesting that what they did with us, the kind of creative writing that they did with us, is worth preserving, literally and figuratively. And then your students that did the interviews with other community members and families and law enforcement, how was that integrated with the stories from the individuals? Oh, those are in the anthology as well. So the anthology so all tied is together. collaborative, large look at this problem of, of uh, addiction and recovery in Western Pennsylvania, but particularly in Butler. And, you know, we interviewed this woman who um, is involved in law enforcement and I wasn't sure what to expect from her, except for that she was given to us by Donna Janareski, that, that lovely woman at the Butler County um, Alcohol Office. And this woman was really interesting to talk to because she was very tough, but she also has a sister who's struggling with addiction. So she came at it from a family member's side. She came at it from the law mm. enforcement side. My students and I talked after we finished recording with her how compassionate she was. I mean, she wanted to help people and she wasn't a pushover, but she wasn't Johnny Law in the sense that she was just looking to put people away. She wasn't at all. And that's the thing that I keep, I think is keep surprising my students and moves them as well, is how much people care about um, folks that maybe society suggests you shouldn't care about. And even people on the law enforcement side of it are really trying to help. And the people on the family side of it are trying to help as well. It's, it's really been an extraordinary project that way. As these individuals were telling their stories and as your students were recording them, what surprised you the most? So your, your students have given some lovely reflections. And I mean, I'll read a couple more quotes here as well. I know Nick read one, but what was the thing that stuck out to you that was like, 
holy crap, we're onto something. How resilient human beings are. I mean, you see hmm. parents that, you know, one of the people we interviewed talked about her daughter who was dealing with alcohol problems, being on a chair and coming through the house and taking every framed photo off the wall and breaking the glass on chairs. And the mom getting kind of freaked out and calling a state trooper and a state trooper who knew her, knew the mom said, you know, I can arrest your daughter if you want. Are you in fear for your life? She goes, no. And he goes, if I arrest her, she's going to have a permanent record here. I can get her out of the house, but I don't have to arrest her. I can just remove her. And the mom said, yes, that would be great. And the mom has talked about since then how she keeps going to meetings and meeting other parents of, of people in, in addiction and recovery and how that community of people suffering in the same way helped her be tougher with her daughter. But, you know, if things had gone wrong with that state trooper and showed up at the house, that daughter would be in jail. That daughter wouldn't have the life she has. She, the daughter has a professional job now. That wouldn't have happened if the state trooper hadn't done the kindness to the mom as well. So I guess I'm, I mean, moved and intrigued by the mix of strength and kindness in all these groups of people we're talking to, as well as people dealing with recovery. I mean, you know, they will tell you literally the day. Today is day 107 that I have been right. sober. I mean, they they know their math. One woman had a child, a son who overdosed four times, two of which she was present for. It happened in her house. She goes, yeah, my son was Narcan nine times that time. She's got the math in her head nine times. She did a couple, and then she called the paramedics, and they did seven more. And she keeps going. She perseveres. I mean, to me, how can you not admire that? That, that right. just love of the parent for the child or that necessity to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. Yeah, I, I know Nick touched on it before, but, man, what an experience, you know, for Slippery Rock students, for you, for those individuals. And I want to take a few moments here. And, I, and, you know, you sent those comments. I want to read a couple of them because some of them say this or paint this picture, for lack of a better words, from a not creative person. <laughs> Way better than we can. For sure. Yeah. You know, and I won't use their names, uh, even though they were on there. So the one student said, I learned so much about Butler's community and the people in it. This whole experience has given me a new perspective on life and understanding how different other people's experiences can be from your own. We all need to treat people with kindness and compassion and help out the people around you whenever you are given the opportunity. Like that's, kind of, that's fantastic. I mean, that's something you would expect from, a, I shouldn't say this, but maybe like a social work class, right? Or a class where you would think I'm in a human, like you would traditionally consider to be a human services field, yeah. right? Or a social services field. But to tie it to a writing class, to me, that was like writing community stories. So that sounds interesting. But the impact and the effect that this has had on some of these students is incredible. And I think the knock, which I don't agree with, but I think the knock against college students that they're self-indulgent, they play video games all day, they care about no one other than themselves. I absolutely don't believe that, but this kind of class is proof that they, in the right circumstances, are capable of extraordinary things. You know, their eyes are open more than they were before they took this class and started working outside the class of me. 
Yeah, so here's another one. Uh, each of them has a voice and a unique life experience to write with. And it was impactful to me how much they have been through. And yet they were willing and able to write and talk about these painful and complicated details of their lives with us, who were initially strangers and after five weeks were still people they hardly knew. It felt very meaningful to me to have the opportunity to get to know these people. And I'm grateful to them for sharing their time and stories, as well as everyone who helped make this project happen. It has been fulfilling for me to meet and to get to know not only those who attended the workshop, but some of my fellow classmates who also participated. I didn't know what exactly what I was signing up for when I decided to take this class, but I'm very glad that I did. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The five students that I went with, I should definitely give them a shout out. Alyssa Pfeiffer, Claire Clefman, Ellen Fran, Melina Bowser, and Rachel Robinson. They went with me five nights, actually six because of the culminating event in December. Um, at Halloween, they brought cards and candy for all the people that were participating with us. I didn't pay for that. I didn't suggest that. That was entirely of their own volition. I was just like, you know, that's a class move. That's a great great sign of respect that our students at Silver Rock gave these folks to tell them that they counted, they matter. And they yeah. also, we're working with a really good Vista volunteer and service to America, Kayla Rennie, who's at that storefront as well. Um, and they got a card for Kayla, a Halloween card and candy as well. It's just like, y'all know what you're doing. You know, they're, they're mature and they're smart and they're lovely. And I was so yeah. grateful that they were willing to do this thing way outside the classroom, which is drive a half hour to Butler and back, you know, late at night. We got out sometimes at 7 o'clock because they wanted to keep writing, meaning the folks are working with. So they're driving home in the dark. And, you know, they didn't get paid extra for this, my students. They didn't get extra credit. It just, you know, was part of the class, and they volunteered to be the ones who went to Butler. So I was blown away by them. I am blown away by them. Yeah, you said it, right? Sometimes people are overly critical of young adults, especially young adults in college. And it's why these types of stories and these types of experiences are so worth telling because this, like you said, it wasn't extra credit. They didn't get, it wasn't bonus points for driving to Butler and doing these interviews and writing these stories. It's just because they wanted to, and they took a chance. I mean, a lot of them in their reflections talked about, it being a risk, taking a chance on, you know, there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't show up to Butler succeed because of preconceived notions about the individuals that are in that program and that are in recovery and the stigma around addiction. And to show up is a big step, but then to keep showing up and then to be able to afterwards say, this has helped humanize addiction. This has helped me be a little more empathetic. This has helped me to grow as an adult, right? Like that's what we want. The stuff we do in our classrooms, I say all the time, it's great. Like we're good. We're really good at what we do, but it's the stuff that we do outside of the classrooms that help our students grow. Like stuff like this, that's where the benefit of these experiences. Yeah. And that's that that's the college experience to me. Like one of the things that grinds my gears in classes is one of our students will say like, well, the college experience is doing this and going to parties. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're missing it. You're miss You're absolutely missing it. Classes like this st study abroad, getting involved, getting in clubs and things like that. I mean, this is stuff that some of these students will never get a chance to do. 
or conversely, these are, this is something that may be such an experience to a student that they go, maybe I want to look at this as a career field. You know, maybe this is the, these are the types of people I want to work with. These are the types of things I want to do. You know, that social learning is just so, so important for sure. Yeah. One of your students said it is a win for both community as well as the inspiring writers in the nonfiction game. Well, yeah. Well said. One of the things they're doing also as part of the final project is that they're writing a creative nonfiction essay about the experience of having done the interview. So, we, you know, we put together the anthology of everybody's writing, but the students also harvested from that writing and their own reflections and their own research to talk about um, their take on what this all means. So, you know, it was challenging for them as creative writers as well. How do you deal with this mass of information? We have, I think, something like 15 interviews you know, some of them were an hour long and they transcribed right. those interviews. So they're learning transcriptions, um, they're learning editing. Um, we didn't put the full interviews in the anthology, it would be the size of a phone book, but they were edited <laughs> down and the students shaped those, you know. Um, it, it's just, it's so interesting. And I didn't know Butler very well because I live in Pittsburgh, but Butler's a beautiful, great, interesting, extraordinary town great architecture, people that are really committed to making the city happen. Um, one of the women we interviewed talked about um, a store called Worsley's, which was this amazing department store downtown. And she goes, you know, in that in that lot where Worsley's used to be, there was this whole series of, of crosses marking people that died of addiction last year. And I was like, Worsley's, what's that? So I looked it up and it was this, you know, department store that had been around for 87 years. And went out of business in 2014 and, the, and it was just knocked down as an empty lot. Like that was this amazing metaphor for what happened to Butler, right? The sure. business that was there literally is gone. Those jobs are gone. The people that supported are gone. And now the field was used for these markers of addiction and loss, you know, and I think actually Butler's on the rebound and there's a great amount of potential there, but you know, as the writer, you're like, wow, that's just this amazing metaphor that we were given by this person we interviewed because she grew up there and she's dealing with recovery and just has seen all these changes in this town. You know, my students were aware of that as well. Like, oh my God, what a metaphor that is. I also want to say that um, uh, one thing I want to add though, that, that the, the Butler Succeed, the community partner of the Butler County Drug and Alcohol Program. That's not the only uh, reason why people go to Butler Succeed. The, uh, the, uh, the Butler Succeed stands for the, the Center for Community Engagement, Empower, and Development. Um, one of the things that SRU is doing is, you know, we're reaching uh, uh, several other uh, community partners through this center, not just uh, uh, ones that are focused on drug and alcohol uh, programs, but there's other nonprofit organizations, even businesses that, uh, that will partner with uh, uh, with but Butler succeed. It's a, it's a wonderful program, and um, it's it's so good to see uh, the way that SRU is extending its campus um, into places like uh, uh, Butler and uh, or excuse me, uh, uh, yeah, but Butler and all throughout Butler County, not just in Slippery Rock. Yeah, I know Butler can get a bad rap sometimes. So these are the stories that I like to tell because there's some awesome things going on there. So. Mark, it's great. I mean, it's such a good project. It makes you feel good. It sound, it, It's awesome. So nice work. It's, we've had a good time and we've learned a lot. So maybe that's what you want to say at the end of every class with you and right. your students. That's it, right? 
Block out at the end of the day. We're good. Yeah. Well, Mark, we end every episode with three questions. Um, some of them are a bit predictable these days, but for you, they might not be. So number one, what is your best SRU memory? You've been here for 13 years now. Is that right? Yeah. Can we talk strike? You can talk whatever. Huh? This is your question. So um, I was a strike captain during the strike and I was there in the front entrance at 430 in the morning with a bunch of colleagues. And, you know, this first day was kind of long and the second day was long. And I think we were catching rain and cold, but it was actually oddly fun and really unifying. And then at some point, this hatchback comes sort of blasting through our lines. We're like, what the heck is going on? And they got through the lines of the professors with their signs and squealed to a stop. And the hatchback pops open. And one of my creative writing students jumps out. And then from the driver's seat, another creative writing student jumps out. And they had this giant pot of boiling hot dogs. And they were going from entrance to entrance, bringing hot dogs and buns and ketchup and chips to all the faculty that are walking the picket lines. And I thought, I love these students. This is amazing and unifying and lovely and great. It was just it was such a lovely moment with our students. I was just like, these guys are awesome. Made me so happy. Again, our students sometimes get a bad rap. There's some amazing, there's some amazing young adults. Yeah. Amazing. You know, they got no money. Not so young adults. They got money to pay for hot dogs and buns and ketchup and mustard. And they, nobody asked them to do that. They went out of their way to do that. I was, you know, so impressed by that and happy and delighted. All right. Second question. What is the best student story you've read? You don't have to read it. Um, it's really funny you're asking that because one of my students who has since graduated um, is dating the guy who drove the hot dog car. And <laughs> she wrote this essay, a creative nonfiction piece about her dad who's a state trooper. And when it came across to the class to be workshopped, I knew it was really good and really smart. And she sent it out for publication and got published as an undergraduate. I mean, that's a nice. in a lit mag and a good lit mag. That's a big deal. But that's what the creative writing classes do, at least in my opinion. It's Rumpelstiltskin, man. It's just straw. And they spin that in the gold. And you can't believe that thing existed that didn't exist two weeks earlier. They make art in front of you and then they refine it. And you're blown away that some 19 year old wrote that. I mean, extraordinary. And the fact that she got it taken by a lit mag means that she's on the level of other professionals as well. And she did that in my class. She made gold. She made magic that didn't exist a few weeks earlier in a creative writing class run by other creative writers. And that happens more often than not. I mean, it's, it's, it's a privilege to teach these students. It really is. There you go. You're right there. I see Justin over there taking mad notes. He's going to be contacting you for the name of that student for another news update. Taylor Akers, I can give you her name. She's great. She works right now in Pittsburgh at the Van Gogh exhibit. She's got a cool life. Oh, Has a nice. master's of library science degree. She's doing well. All right. Last question. You ready? If you were going to write a story that featured a character based on you and your life experiences, what would the story be about? I moved here from Houston, fourth biggest city in the country, and 
I wasn't sure what to expect. I really liked the colleagues that interviewed me when I um, came up for the interview from that very hot place. And um, I spent my first year in Newcastle with Amish folks riding around in carts that I had never seen and old buildings like they have in Newcastle. Um, and then I moved to Pittsburgh, which I love. I think that's an amazing town. I think that sort of weird fish out of water thing. I mean, this was such a change from Houston. You know, it's not as diverse as Houston, but the students I teach are exactly the same. I teach first generation students here. I taught first generation students there. Some of them may have just gotten to the country in Houston, but these guys are the same and they're open and they're friendly and they're lovely and they're curious. I don't know where that knock is that I hear in the larger culture against college students because it's not my experience. I don't know if that answers your okay. question. But they're your questions. Well, I ask the questions, they're your answers. Well, so you Brian can answer Taylor played me, of course. I mean, that's in <laughs> Oh, well, that, sure, right? Now we're talking the movie version right. of yeah. it. Well, that's the writer's dream, right? You publish it and then it gets optioned for a movie and then you can move to Malibu and never write again. Well, Mark, once again, we appreciate you joining us. It's a fantastic story. I hope that you get to write a lot more of them or your students get to write a lot more of them. I had a blast. All right, gentlemen. As always, it's been a pleasure. SRU, it was nice talking to you. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU Podcast Network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello SRU wherever you get your podcasts.